I remember growing up when we would have gospel meetings, we would sing the invitation song 20, 30 verses just waiting for people to respond. And uh, there's some songs you're like, please let it end. And uh, this is one of those songs you just could keep singing over and over. So, uh, Lord, reign in me. Great song. How's everybody doing today? Good? Kind of hot and muggy. That's just on the inside. Are y'all tired? Yeah? Well, go ahead and go to sleep. In a couple of hours. Flora Retta Schreiber wrote a book in 1973 entitled Sybil. It was made into two different movies. It was uh, shown in 1976 and then again in 2007. It was about a woman that she named Sybil Dorset. That wasn't her real name. It was a pseudonym for Shirley Ardell Mason. Shirley Ardell Mason, Sybil, was known to have had 16 different personalities. She was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. Today they call it dissociative identity disorder. 16 different personalities, 16 unique different personalities. One personality may have a British accent. One personality might be a piano player. One personality might even be male. Sixteen different personalities. Multiple personality disorder. That's what they call it when two, when one person has two or more personalities that try to take control of that person. Multiple personality disorder. People can have that. Churches can have that. I mean, think about it. Think about all the personalities that are represented here today. What happens when multiple personalities come together? Sometimes you have disorder. In fact, when I think about church fights, most of the church fights that I'm familiar with, that I grew up knowing, that I read about, had nothing to do with truth. They had everything to do with personalities. Multiple personality disorder. What happens when multiple personalities come together? What happens when multiple personalities collide? Sometimes you have disorder. We are in a study called One, and we're looking at the one-chapter books of the Bible, and we've already looked at Obadiah and Philemon and Second John. Today we're going to be in Third John Next week, we'll conclude with Jude. Today, 3 John, the shortest book in the Bible. One chapter, 14 verses, 299 words. It doesn't take you long to read it. It's just a small one-chapter book. And John mentions three different personalities in this one church. What happens when multiple personalities collide and want to take control? Well, John mentions three personalities, and the first one he mentions is Gaius. Look what he says, to my dear friend Gaius. In fact, he uses that three other times in verse 2, verse 5, verse 11. So obviously, this is a close friend. Obviously, this is a good friend. But I want you to notice how he describes his personality. 
multiple personality disorder. He says, hey, in this church, in this particular church, look at this personality. So he mentions, mentions his relationship with Gaius. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, we looked at that word truth in 2 John, where he used it five times. In 3 John, he uses it six times in a few short verses. And he said, you know what, when it comes to my good friend, beloved friend, dear friend Gaius, we have a relationship because of the truth. We are in fellowship because of the truth. Everything about us is because of the truth. We come together today, we are in fellowship together because of Jesus Christ, because of the truth. And he writes about his friend Gaius, whom he loves in the truth. Notice he mentions the health of Gaius. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along. Evidently, he's not been in good health. Maybe he's recovering from a sickness. Maybe he's sick right now. There's some reason that he mentioned, hey, may you be in good health. I like another translation that says, I pray that you are as healthy in body as you are in soul. It's possible to be very sick physically... And yet, spiritually, your health can be strong. Now, sometimes when you get sick physically, it weighs on your faith and it weighs on your spiritual health. But evidently, Gaius is strong spiritually. So he mentions his um, health. Notice he mentions the testimony of Gaius. It gave me great joy to have some of the brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. So let me tell you this real fast. It gave me great joy to have some of the brothers come and tell. That's one word in the original Greek. Let me tell you what that word is. Come and tell is the word testimony. It's the word witness. It's the word martyr. It gave me great joy. Some brothers came bearing witness. It's one word in the original language. He uses that word five times. They bore witness. They testified of your love. He's going to talk about Demetrius, who has given a good report, a good testimony, a good witness. He talks about, he says, we bear witness to Demetrius. He says, our witness and our testimony is true. Now, back to what he says about Gaius. Some brothers came and told us, bore witness, testified to how you're living and how your faithful, uh, faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. When it comes to Gaius, he's going to tell us, hey, his testimony's good. His report is good. His witnessing is good. So he makes mention of the testimony of Gaius. Notice he says, uh, he mentions the joy that Gaius, Gaius brings him. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. It's very possible that Gaius was one of his converts, my children who are walking in the truth. It gives me no greater joy than to hear that people who I've converted or people in the Lord's church or followers of Christ are walking in the truth. So he's going to mention the joy that Gaius brings him. Why does he bring him joy? Well, everything about Gaius is about truth. He lived the truth. He was focused on the truth. He obeyed the truth. His whole life was all about the truth. And because of that, John says, man, that brings me great joy. Notice he mentions the personal testimony of Gaius. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. Everybody needs a personal ministry, and you need to be faithful in what you're doing. 
Now, what was Gaius' personal ministry? Well, we kind of mentioned that last week in Second John. In that day and age, there were traveling evangelists. There were traveling preachers. And so these preachers would go from town to town, and they were dependent on the brothers and sisters in Christ to house them, to put them up in their homes, to feed them, to clothe them. Evidently, that was Gaius' personal ministry. He didn't feel called to preach, but he felt called to assist those who were preaching. And he opened his home, and he opened his heart, and he opened his hand, his wallet, his money. He opened everything about who he was so that these people who were traveling preaching, that was his personal ministry. Notice what John says. You'll do well to send them on their way. You'll do well to assist them on their journey. You'll do well to feed them, to clothe them. You'll do well to give them some money. You'll do well to assist them in a manner worthy of God. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I don't know what your personal ministry is. But if you're thinking, hey, all I can do is open my home, that is an awesome personal ministry. When we reshuffle small groups coming up in September, we need some people to host, to be host homes. We need some people that if all you can do is open your home and show hospitality, that is a phenomenal personal ministry. You may not want to share your testimony, but you can share your home. Evidently, that's what Gaius did. He opened his home, and that was his personal ministry. And then he's going to talk about another personality. So we've got Gaius and his personality, and everything about Gaius... I mean, you'd love to have church members like Gaius. Every church would like to have church members like Gaius. But he mentions this guy named Diotrephes. I wrote to the church... I wrote a letter to the church. I wrote a letter to the church specifically about this personality. He says Diotrephes loves to be first. Diotrephes loves to be in charge. Diotrephes loves to be the boss. He loves being in that position. He loves preeminence. He loves being first in everything. He loves being the number one leader. He loves is the word. Diotrephes, his personality is, hey, I want to be in charge. Every church has personalities like Gaius, and every church has personalities like Diotrephes. Every church has different personalities. Gaius is a great church member. Diotrephes is not a great church member. Every church has people who insist upon being the boss. Every church has people who insist upon being bossy. Every church has people who insist upon doing things their way. Every church has people who insist upon being the final authority. Diotrephes was motivated by pride. Diotrephes was motivated by self. Diotrephes was motivated by selfish ambition. Now, this is nothing new. I mean, even the apostles of Jesus, you remember James and John, they came to Jesus and said, hey... When you come to your kingdom, can we be first? I mean, being first is human nature. Being first is what the apostles wrestled with. Being first is what Diotrephes wrestled with. Being first is what we wrestle with. Diotrephes, who loves to be first. Notice how else he describes his personality. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. Now think about this. 
Diotrephes will have nothing to do with John and his associates. Diotrephes will have nothing to do with the apostle John. Diotrephes will have nothing to do... Can you imagine what he could have learned from John? Can you imagine what he could have learned from someone who walked with Jesus? Not only was he one of the twelve apostles, not only was he one of the three inner group, he was the apostle whom Jesus loved. And Diotrephes says, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because it was all about him. It was all about Diotrephes. Now, why did he reject John? I don't know. Maybe because John said, when I come, I'm going to call attention to what he's doing. I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call him on the carpet. Notice what else he says. Diotrephes gossips maliciously about us. I read some other translations. I like some of these other translations. He's bringing false charges against us. He's spreading lies about us. I think the King James Version says he's prating against us. P-R-A-T, not parading. Prating against us with malicious words. I don't even know what that means. So I looked it up and it means talking foolishly. Diotrephes is talking foolishly about the Apostle John. And he would have nothing to do with him. There's no shortage of people who love hearing lies. And there's no shortage of people who love spreading lies. And people who want to be first usually get involved in foolish gossiping. That was Diotrephes. That was his personality. But he goes on. He refuses to welcome the brothers. Not only did he not welcome John, if you have anything to do with John, you're not welcome here. John's not welcome here. Anybody associated with John's not welcome here to the point he stops those who want to welcome those who are associated with John. So Diotrephes says, you know what? John's not welcome here and his associates aren't welcome here. And I don't want you welcoming them here to the point that if you welcome them in this church... He's going to put you out of this church. He's practicing church discipline in the wrong way. Gaius is welcoming people into his home. Diotrophy is throwing people out of the church. He's casting them out. He's putting them out because he doesn't want them around him. Because with Diotrophies, it was his way or you can take the highway. Even the Apostle John who ran with Jesus, if you welcome him into your home or anybody associated with him, I'm going to put you out of the church. Wow. Wow, how about that personality? And let me repeat, every church has people like Gaius. Every church has people like Diotrephes. Uh, it's been that way from the beginning. Diotrephes loved to be in charge. He loved to make all the decisions. He loved to throw his weight around. He loved to get people to do what he wanted. Everything that Gaius is, Diotrephes is not. Notice what he says then. Dear friend, do not imitate what's evil, but imitate what's good. Now, stay in context. He just talked about Gaius. He just talked about Diotrephes. So if you're having trouble choosing between following Gaius and Diotrephes, imitate Gaius. Don't imitate Diotrephes. Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians 11, follow me as I follow Christ. Mimic me as I mimic Christ. 
So if you need to follow a personality, you need to choose the personality of Gaius. Don't choose the personality of Diotrephes. Follow people like Gaius. And then he mentions another personality, much like Gaius. He says Demetrius was given, here's that word again, four times in one verse. He was given a good report. He was given a good witness. He was well spoken of by all. The truth also bears witness. You can stand Demetrius up to the truth, and the truth says he's, he's got a good report. The truth bears witness to Demetrius. In fact, we also bear witness to Demetrius, John and his associates. And you know that our witness, our testimony, our report is true. Three different personalities. Two of them are the same. And then there's this one called Diotrephes. So what's the takeaway here? Every church has people like Gaius, Demetrius. Every church has people like Diotrephes. Oh, the majority of time, you know this, you can look around. The majority of time, church members are like Gaius. And they're like Demetrius. But there's always people like Diotrephes. So we've got to ask ourselves some questions. Does your personality welcome people to the truth? Or does your personality reject people in the truth? Does your personality show hospitality to people? Does your personality show hostility to people? Does your personality do everything to further the truth? Does your personality do everything to further yourself? Now, let's drive this home a little bit, church. Let's make 3 John work for us. The first year I was here, I went and visited some people who hadn't been in church for a while. 17 years ago. Hey, why don't you come back to church? And their response was, is so-and-so still there? Because if they are, I'm not coming. Does your personality welcome people? Does your personality reject people? Does your personality show hospitality? Does your personality... Maybe I need to drive a little deeper. Just two weeks ago, not 17 years, I heard the comment, we don't want people like that in our church. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. We had a personality say, we don't want their kind. You can fill in the blank on their kind. Through the years, the church has always filled in the blank on their kind. Multiple personality disorder. We've got multiple personalities here. And this church has a personality. As a whole, does our church welcome people or does our church reject people? Does our church want people to come in or would we just soon keep those kind out? Wow. You see, Third John applies to us today. So maybe we need to ask, am I a part of the problem or am I a part of the answer? Let me say it this way. I'll type it up this way. Every Christian is a witness, a testimony, a report. You might be a good report. You might be a bad report. Every Christian is a martyr. That's what that word means. You might be the only billboard someone ever sees about Jesus. 
You might be the only advertisement someone reads about Jesus. You might be the only witness someone hears about Jesus. You might have the only testimony to influence someone about Jesus. What kind of personality, what kind of witness are you for Jesus? Now listen, church. This is huge. This is huge regarding our future. This is huge regarding our personality. This is huge regarding who we are. Can you imagine if someone looked at you and said, we don't want people like you in our church? You'd be devastated. You'd be blown away. Maybe it's because of your personality. Maybe it's because of a sin that you had in the past. Maybe it's because of some skeleton in the closet that came out some. Maybe it's because of a lifestyle. Maybe it's because... Listen, folks, people need the truth. And if we keep them from coming in the doors, how will they ever hear it? How will they ever hear the truth if we reject them as opposed to welcoming them? Well, Richie, we don't want people like that in our church. Can you quote me that scripture? I'm just having a little trouble finding it right now. Because everybody needs the Lord, and everybody needs to come home to Jesus, and everybody needs the truth, and everybody needs to be welcomed, and everybody wants to belong, and everybody needs to be taught the good news about Jesus. And the only way we can do that, if we're not going out, is to open the doors and let them in. So what kind of personality do you have? Do you have a personality when you hear that somebody does something? Are you shocked like, <gasps> or do you identify and say, you know what, I can relate? I have the same struggles. I've been through. I can understand. You know what you need? We've got a small group that, where you could fit in. We've got a Bible class. We've got people. We want you here. Everybody needs the truth. And Gaius was all about the truth. And Demetrius was all about the truth. And Diotrephes was all about himself. And when a church becomes all about themselves, they don't welcome people. And they don't accept people. And people don't want to be a part of that group. So as long as we're happy just being us, we're going to have multiple personality disorder. And we will continue to collide. Third John, written thousands of years ago, still applies. We offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. It's not my invitation because I don't want you to be like me. It's not the invitation of this church, because I don't want you to be like this church. It's the invitation of Jesus Christ, because we want you to be like Jesus. And we want you to obey Jesus. And we want you to respond to Jesus. And we want you to give your life to Jesus, because it's all about Jesus, because that is the truth. Would you come home today to Jesus? Would you give your life to Jesus? This is where you need to be, is with a body of believers, a group of believers, that will welcome you and receive you, and embrace you, and understand you. If you need to be baptized into Jesus, we want to assist you with that today. If you'd like the prayers of our shepherds, you can go towards the back, and you can meet them in the back, and they will pray with you privately. If you need to respond to the invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.